0: and data and analytics so if you were looking to upskill yourself or your team for just two and a half hours each week and get access to a network with our industry's giants through our live sessions do check out the school of marketing website for more deeds already for now enjoy the show
1: hi everybody and welcome to the places will go show another tremendous guest with us today hamish goulding of hsbc an organization that richie and i have both worked at so we might get under the skin of that a little bit, but very welcome. Good morning, Hamish. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Nice to be here. Very good. Great great to have you on the show. So I'll just do a bit of a, a tee up for those who, who don't know Hamish well. Um, Hamish has got a very interesting career. Uh, started agency side uh, in JWT and moved up through their graduate scheme, all the way up to account director, QuickTime, uh, about six years there, but then moved client side to HSBC, and it's been there about ten years. Which I'm not sure how, how long you were there, Richie, but I only, I only survived two, so you've five x to me there, Hamish. Um, but but what's interesting is Hamish has worked in a variety of, of global roles around marketing, brand, and sponsorship in a behemoth organisation with tremendous complexity. I mean, there's nothing more global than HSBC, um, as you know, as some of the communication would would suggest. Uh, and, and has been involved in some amazing things. One of the things that really caught my eye, Hamish, is that you were involved in a global rebrand. I suppose literally less than a decade, or about a decade out of university. So I'm sure that was that was fun and challenging. <laughs> and of course, you know, you'd have had to have dealt with a lot of complexity of the local local versus global thing. But hey, look to today, uh, putting purpose and values at the heart of what HSBC is doing around the world. Just signed Emma Raducanu who's global brand ambassador. Reinvented the famous global airport campaign you you are properly at the sexy end of financial services let's be honest um but also uh i know you're a very keen learner so we bump into each other now and again uh, at various industry things but i noticed that you um uh, took a certificate or a course or something in uh, as a certified brand strategist with with scott galloway so interested to hear about your learning journey as well but honestly amish fabulous to have you on and um i know that our audience will get a huge amount out from your your learning and life journey
2: Thank you very much i think we should quit there that feels like um just enough (laughs) perfect information
0: (laughs) awesome well look hamish great to have you on let's kick off so how are you doing how's things and how's the last couple of weeks months been for you
2: um very hot (laughs) um it's been interesting working at home during uh during the heat wave but no it's 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 been it's been pretty good it's been pretty intense i'm expecting a, a baby so um well, I'm not. My wife is, but um, yeah, we're about three weeks away from that, and we've got a, a toddler, so it's um, we're at the business end of of that nine months process. So, um, yeah, quite quite looking forward to August pat leave and, and getting going on that. Really. How are you?
1: How are you going to juggle that? Are you taking a chunk of time, or is it uh, you're going to sort of dip in and then dip straight back out again?
2: Uh, four weeks. So yeah, it's a two weeks pat leave and two weeks holiday, which is which is about about what I can muster at this point so um yeah I did a sabbatical last time which was quite an interesting four months um sort of a bit bit later on out of the, the birth which was cool actually and gave me a bit of time to sort of reflect and reset and get my mojo back not just for um uh, sort of life but, but very much work I think um so yeah I definitely recommend uh, a sabbatical.
1: So the so second, second time round, you're a, you're a Davan, so yeah, yeah, only exactly. four weeks, yeah.
2: Yeah, it wasn't a break, to be clear. It was, um, it was four months of learning to be a father. And that was uh, much more intense, I think, than any any job would be. So I went Indeed. back to work for a break in many ways.
0: 100%. Well, t- look, tell us about the reflections then. I mean, your sabbatical, what were some of the key things um, that, that you maybe took away from those, those number of months?
2: I think, I mean, in brutal honesty, I think I probably thought, right, what next? What am I going to do? It's probably time, you know, so sort of eight nine years. And actually, I just felt incredibly grateful. Um, I thought it was going to be the chance to run away and set up that that bar or cafe in Cornwall and change change my life. You know, the things you've always sort of pined to do when you're not thinking about work. And I, I was in Cornwall and felt incredibly grateful that I wasn't running a cafe in Cornwall. So <laughs> so I felt I felt amazingly sort of relieved actually that I was in the right job and doing the right thing in the right industry and I came back with a real sort of for for marketing for brand and and what it is we're trying to do in this industry so um, yeah it was a great chance to reset um, yeah 15-16 years into my career I sort of saw it as my halfway you know half time got the oranges out and um, had a good think and um, yeah nothing puts uh, family and, and children into that sort of context so yeah, really, really good thing to do. Um and yeah, just gave me that chance to to re-energize really.
1: It's um uh the, the phenomenon of the sabbatical is fairly rare. I I remember MediaCom I think did a ten and twenty years. I don't know if they still do it, but similar stories of people who, you know, had just had a time to reflect and, and I suppose it's a bit of a bet for an organization to give extended time off, but uh, yeah. more often than not, people came back supercharged and, and grateful for what they had rather than yearning for something else. But we'll, we'll, come back to the cafe in Cornwall, but yeah. let's go, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, graduate scheme at JWT, it all sounds sort of like it was very straightforward, you know, a logical linear path. Tell, tell us yeah. about the reality.
2: Um, I think the reality is it's very hard to get on these. It was very hard to get on these schemes. I think it was the fifteen hundred applicants they told us in in our year, um, and it was six places or eight places. I think so. It was it was an amazing experience actually. I mean, the, the JWT scheme I think was sort of seen as the University of Advertising or the University of Brands, and it really felt like it was the sort of maybe those last days of the glory days of of that famous institution. Um, you know, that institution is older than HSBC. It's 160 odd years old. So um, an amazing privilege to be on that. Um, and, and, you know, we have people like Jeremy Bullmore, you know, do the parts of the training and talks and mark essays for us and things like that. So it was, yeah, it was a phenomenal experience. And also the people you meet, you know, Uh, I married someone at at JWT as well. So uh, it was famous for that, actually. But um, it was an amazing institution in that respect. It's obviously changed a lot now. and So Wonderman Thompson and how that works. But um, the the learning and the breadth of of clients was was fantastic. I worked on everything from B&Q to Microsoft to Nestle. And those are different brands within Nestle for about three years. Um, Did a bit of new business, did some graduate scheme stuff. And then ended up on HSBC um, doing the airports um, campaign uh, and sort of 10 years ago, I guess, or 11 years ago. Um, and it was funny because I never wanted to work on HSBC. I thought, God, that sounds boring. My dad worked for KPMG, and was like, there's no way I'm working in financial services. It was to see his briefcase chucked down on the floor at half past eight every night. I thought, there's no way I'm doing that. And, of course, life moves in mysterious ways, and you end up working financial services on on that brand. And I was talking about this the other night. It was, it was, you know, why would I want to work on HPC? And then everyone was going on shoots to Romania and Greece and Shanghai and Brazil. And, <laughs> of course, the world circle Bank, it was it was the mm. coolest end of financial services, as you say. Um, you know, definitely at that point, and still now, I like to think the best sort of most creative marketer in, in FS. And... Um, it completely kind of got its claws into me um, and I loved it. And then a year later, jumped the fence, um, which was mildly controversial at the time, um, but we managed it. And um, and yeah, I, I got offered the chance to do the the brand stuff on the other side of the fence, but also the, the sponsorships and partnerships. So things like uh, the British Lions Tour, um, Hong Kong Sevens and the Rugby World Series, and then these kind of crazy golf events we do in Shanghai and Singapore. and the open Wimbledon and yeah you know, like, so I can't turn that down That's <laughs> <laughs> what a job so it was um world-class sporting events you know one of the world's most famous medias you know the I look back on the last 10 years of being sort of custodian of the creative in that airport space it's absolute privilege really it's the right way I would describe it it
0: sounds absolutely awesome um yeah Hey, I want to kind of take you back to that moment where you got on the grad program at JWT and you talked about, you know, that the competitiveness and 1,500 people applying.
2: Yeah. What do you
0: think, and, and you probably, you know, since that point have probably dealt with lots of hiring and um, lots of recruitment elements of things as well. So what do you think makes the secret sauce? So what do you think makes the, are the key things that either you had or you would look for now when looking to hire young talent?
2: Um, yeah, I <laughs> think... the old cliche be yourself everyone else has taken i think i definitely sort of took that to the max um and and varying degrees of success over that time as well at doing that i think i very much went into those grad scheme interviews with a clear thing that i'm going to be myself i'm going to wear what i want to wear um within you know respect and reason um and i think i sort of carried myself in a way that was me um and i I don't think I did that particularly in an affected way, but I did it in a way that just felt natural. Um, and I, I like to think that people play that back to me in my career and stuff, is that you, you just kind of be yourself, don't you? Um, so a little bit you know, offbeat, a little bit sort of relaxed, um, try and be sort of irreverent and mildly amusing if I can. <laughs> um, looking for humour, you know, humour is, is basically a form of insight, isn't it? So it's you know using humour as a tool and a weapon. Um, I'm not saying I'm a comedian by any stretch, but I, I like a lightheartedness and an approach to life and not sort of too earnest or serious and those sort of things. And I think that creates warmth and that creates trust and that, you know, good just good brand building skills, right? Tone of voice and um, warmth. And I think I'm a quite a warm person. Um, and I think in those interview processes, I really did be myself and I had fun with the process as well. I, mean, I remember having a lot of fun over two days in these kind of mad workshops and working with complete strangers. You're actually, it was like The Apprentice, you know, you're working in competitor pools. Um, And it it worked, seemed to work. Um, Whether there was a clerical error and somehow I got in, I don't know. But, you know, it it worked. And um, some of those people I'm in the scheme, was in the scheme with are godfathers to my children, some of my best friends. Um, Yeah, wonderful. Wonderful times looking back on that. And play forward to the last couple of days working with the Taylor Bennett Foundation and helping some of those people work out what they're doing. We do a kind of scheme and a program with them in, in comms and brand. It's just fascinating watching that generation come through. You know, so many similarities, so many differences. But though the ones that are just relaxed and confident in who they are and what they're trying to do not knowing all the answers that's probably the biggest thing isn't it it's the one that comes in and tries to impress too much um is the one that kind of falls on their face and it's the ones who are relaxed and sort of self-deprecating um yeah try and uh try and pick the opportunities in a sort of more light-hearted way and you naturally warm to them and you want
1: to give them give them the go Um, You've clearly thought about your brand, as you'd expect from somebody who's a brand strategist. And, and, and you know, what what leaps out is a calmness, a lightheartedness, not too serious, touch of humor. The clerical error comment, you know, personified that very well. <laughs> um, I mean, but but you know, obviously business is a serious thing and at times it's so how, how do you sort of balance that where I suppose, and maybe particularly in HSBC, it sort of feels like quite a serious organization. So how do you how do you flex accordingly?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the challenge, isn't it? Um, it's funny, when we started at HSBC, the first sort of half of that, I always thought of the brand and the marketing team it was almost like the Austin in Texas. It was this kind of creative sort of bubble that took, took place in this quite sort of traditional institution. And we reveled in that, you know, absolutely loved being the, sort of the creative people. Um, and in lots of companies, I think you'd be seen as the colouring in department, and that's sort of seen as a negative we sort of almost lent into that and um, and were the people who could solve problems that other people couldn't. And then sort of, I sort of transitioned that into more of the brand consultancy for the business over the last five years and then the brand rebrand. And where we're at now in terms of much more sort of strategic role in what I do personally. Um, so I think, yeah, obviously I've sort of had to grow up um, and mature and, and be a bit more serious and be a bit more credible. But even sort of conversations with, with board members and things, it's just having a sort of honesty and, uh, and, yes, still an irreverence, actually, being able to sort of be warm and human. And I think it, it's refreshing. Um, so, no, I'm not saying go out and crack jokes and be, laugh a minute, because actually that, that would not give you the credibility or the authenticity you need. But it's the people who can spot where lightness is needed, I think, are the people who win, actually.
0: It's, it's, it's fascinating. fascinating. I was watching a YouTube video the other day with uh, Trevor Noah and how he is able to bring in those, those subtleties of not just humor, but even in tone of voice and, and the way that he breaks out and the ability to then sort of diffuse a, a potential sort of hostile situation and, and, and the like. It really is quite a skill, an art and a skill at the same time. So I can, can totally resonate. Um, yeah, Moving on, I mean, clearly, I'd love to talk a little bit about the airport campaign, because clearly in in, in the context of the consumer's eye, that is one of the, the biggest, most sort of iconic campaigns that anyone and any brand can do. And and clearly, you were at the center of that. So tell us a little bit about that experience and, of course, being reignite, reignited um, of late as well. So how did that feel?
2: Yes, I think 21, 22 years in now. Um, the first 10 years i always say were the best 10 years in terms of the creative because i had nothing to do with them <laughs> <laughs> they were you know different points of view different points of value um carrot stick or stick carrot or whatever it was you know it was that that's the stuff people always when i say i work on hsbc that's the stuff people always think of and then there was the stuff i i've done over the last 10 years which i'm obviously uh, i've got a huge imposter syndrome on how good that stuff is but no i I'm very proud of the work. I think it's, you know, it brings our brand to life in with that you know, intelligent wit, it's sort of levity, the worldliness, um, and I, I feel a great sense of responsibility for it. Um, I think I've done three campaigns. I was less involved in the, the very recent one because um, I was away and, you know, we did the, the strategy stuff around it. But it's, yeah, it's a huge, um, huge honour. You know, up to 2 billion people see this stuff. Um, COVID obviously put a dent in that, but it's it's getting back to to normal, um, and it's it's a metaphor for our business. It's the connectivity, it's the sort of between the dots that makes HSBC special. It's you know, it's the world's local, it's global local. Um, so it's a powerful medium, but but it's interesting. You know, you have to constantly remind and take people on a journey as to why it's such a powerful brand builder. But in today's world, it's, it gets harder and harder and harder to justify and prove. So, you know, we've slimmed down our our model um, to just sort of the main thoroughfares of the world. Um, so it's become much more sort of cost effective in that sense. But we're constantly having to um, justify and, and and reason for why it's the right medium. And it's, it's quite hard to do that because it's outdoor ultimately. And we know passenger numbers. But the obvious thing is like, well, why don't you put product in it, and why don't we drive sales and things like that? And it's like, because this is about brand building, and that's where the kind of sort of difficulty and the strengths of it lie. So we're actually right, working on that stuff right at the moment to um, to pull together whether it's right, whether it's not for the future. Um, I hope it, I hope it's. I hope it's the one we carry on because I think it's what we're synonymous with. I think there's not many medium in the world where you have complete cut through. Um, and ownership but there is a problem that people are all staring at their phones and not looking up like they used to hence why we've all got ache. but um, yeah it's an interesting challenge for us and uh, an annual challenge as well so <laughs> it's not as easy as it looks
1: <laughs> well I, I'd say hats off um, to you and HSBC it's an example I use uh, in the terms of mental availability, yeah. category entry points, I think often people are thinking about their next trip um, yeah. you know when they're when they're passing through, and so, mm. so it connects lots of dots. Um, yeah, I hope, you, I hope you do continue it. Um, two billion eyeballs, you know. Anyway, there we go. You, you, you've uh, talked about putting purpose and values at the heart of what, what's being done globally. Mm. I mean, it's a much hyped topic, uh, and so what, and, and often sort of scratch a bit, and it doesn't hold. Uh, my sense is it does run deep with HSP. So you can tell us a little bit more about what that entails. Yeah, I
2: was two years ago or so. Um, uh, we we developed the whole project and um, it was done for the first time, really. It was done sort of cr- across HR, communications and marketing. Um, and it was done in an amazing kind of process. Um, we worked with Adam Morgan at Epic Fish and, and really just built this programme with our new um Head and brand, Steve John, and and built this sort of machine, which was an incredible sort of working across the company in a way we hadn't really done before. Um, and just just the way it was the process of engagement across the top tier, the sort of senior leadership cohort, and then across the whole bank through various sort of tech platforms and things, it actually felt much less like a top-down sort of mandate and much more like a ground up thing. So out of all the insights that came from teams all over the world, we sort of refined and distilled and refined and distilled and ended up with this very simple set of words of of opening up a world of opportunity. And you can imagine there are many conversations off the back of that which were, what does that mean for our tagline, end line, where do we go from that? And my gut was, let's not invent a new tagline. (laughs) Let's just go with opening up a world of opportunity because this company needs simplicity and it needs one focus. Because it's so big and so you know um, so multifaceted across so many different markets, so so we went with it. We tested it, obviously, and then, and then we went with it. And it was it was good that uh, that resonated with with audiences, you know, broader than just sort of customers, but you know stakeholders, shareholders, investors, and, um, communities, and things like that. So, um, yeah, getting to one thought that the whole company could get around was was an incredible process, and then. Once we had that kind of big bang was then how do we now take that through the brand and how's the brand now bring that to life? So then it was straight to our markets to say, right guys, how are we going to build our local brands through this lens? And it's back to this good old global local tension that HSBC has. And it's funny because in the organization, it's quite a tension, but it's such a secret source and a, and a point of difference that I think we often forget that. And, um, yeah, looking at, looking at our purpose and our values and how that affects our product, our service experience, our way we behave, the way we re, you know, relate to our clients and our customers um, is sort of fundamental. Um, so we're, we're building, it's like a yeah, big bang and a ripple effect and it's a sort of, it will never be done. It's this sort of perpetual thing. I think that's the way we're thinking of it. So it's a sort of constant evolution in that sense. And I think where we've got to at the moment is that we've, we've had the big bang we've established it everybody knows what that is and now it's the, the baton that's the why and now the baton is passed to the brand which is the how so how does the brand build that culture build that service promise build that kind of um oxygen in the organization and then how do things like marketing and experience sort of bring that to life in the, in the world so um yeah we're sort of at the, the, the very early days of it you know a year or two in but, um, yeah, the, the, my role within brand strategy is to sort of work that out um, and, yeah, sort of act as the filter for decision making, I guess.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it, it, sounds, it sounds like quite the juncture position, you know, and, and, and how you navigate that through. It's funny because myself mm-hmm. and Mark, when we worked in the bank, we were both in the, the local team in the U.K., yeah, and of course, taking a getting a slightly different perspective here is, is really interesting. And I'm sort of my my mind's eye is going back to the good old HSBC days, and and thinking yeah. about how you know how those conversations sort of played out. But yeah. I'd love to get love to get your take on on then how do you navigate sort of stakeholder interaction? Because clearly you must be a, a part masterful politician in many ways, and trying to get through um, you know decision making across local markets. And you know, how do how what characteristics or what what tools, techniques, thoughts that you have to be able to then disseminate a message and then try and hopefully get a buy-in? What's some of those?
2: I've got a fairly clear delineation. So I think in the first half of my time, first five years, it was, um, we're going to create the best work ourselves and everyone else will kind of run it. And that totally ran out of road for, for the right reasons. It was a sort of ivory tower. Mentality, and I think the sort of penny dropped for me during this rebrand project that we started in sort of 2016 and launched in 2018. But it was actually, you've got to give it away if you if you want stuff to work. You've got to give it away, and the the brand project was such an amazing experience for me because rather than just trying to go away and crack it on our own with you know a couple of people in an agency and tada, it was very much a sense of how do we open source this brand? How do we create something that everybody feels a part of. Um, and, and the process, I had so many sort of stakeholder interviews. Um, I was working with Richard Huntington at the time. And we met so many people uh, across the bank that for a start, I was like, How have I not met all these people? I'm five years into this company. It's crazy. But we just you know, we pulled all that information um, and then we built a strategy. And then we went back to all those people and shared it back and said, does this look right? Does this feel right? And then we had a big kind of um, presentation at our big marketing expo that we did, did every year. And we played back everything, but with then the creative layer and that's all through the sort of hexagon and things like that. And it was singularly my favorite presentation I've ever given just because I think people felt heard and we were poking at problems, structural or otherwise, that were um, not working for us as a brand at that point. And it was a bit of a reset moment. That everyone could say, let's all gather behind this the power of this brand hexagon, this icon. Let's get together. It was Together We Thrive at that time, because primarily we were such a fragmented brand at that point. Um, so it sort of brought everyone in. Um, and that campaign kind of kick started it. And yeah, we've moved on since then in terms of our tagline, and I'm very so comfortable with that because it was designed. The whole point of the refresh was to put our mojo back in in the brand. It's feeling a bit old-fashioned and fragmented, and you know we redesigned the logo. We put the hexagon at the centre of our creative. We did all the distinctive assets, bits and bobs, and got into sound and audio, and yeah, just just really started to build a movement. I think I think, I and mean, we're still we're still doing that now. But the the lesson was. If you want to do things in big organizations, you've got to engage people and ultimately you've got to give it away. And I had a real sort of not a breakdown, but I definitely had a a bit where I just overheated about a year or two into that process because I was so sort of fixed into trying to sort of control everything and make sure that it was absolutely perfect. And I just sort of burnt out um and I think the what the realization was what i would learned on that process I need to take forward and keep pushing that thinking out so yeah if you want to succeed in, in brand building you've got to you've got to give other people the chance to build it um within a framework but ultimately give them a chance and actually now I feel immense pride looking at all these different people all over the world now kind of bringing about their work and sharing about their work and stuff and you think wow we started that that was um that was quite a thing we, we we started. So yeah, stakeholder engagement, very exhausting because there's so many people and you can go too far. And I think this is really key. You can get into kind of committee make committee decision-making on absolutely everything. And actually you grind to a sort of horrible halt at that point as well. So you need to know when you engage people, when you give it away, and then when you've got to just do some work yourself and then go back. And that's that's the sort of, in-out process I think that takes a lot of effort but
1: gets you there. It's a lovely story arc what you just described and um, not not least in fact that stakeholder management is exhausting because it's unpredictable and sometimes unproductive Uh, and so you know you've got to preserve your energy through that so that's great great insights that uh, want to move the conversation towards being a strategist so lots of people listening to this will be on apprenticeships or graduate schemes or contemplating them or thinking about pivoting their careers in marketing. And so, and you mentioned Richard Huntington, another great strategist. So what what, what does it take for people who are sort of relatively unaware? What does it take to be a great strategist?
2: Well, uh, let me know when you know. <laughs> I, I do feel like a bit of a fraud because you know, I started as an account man, um, was pretty, pretty all right at that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah sort of grew through the marketing lens and then heavily sort of creative focused and then through the rebrand process realized i was getting much more strategic and actually caring more about the strategy so that was an interesting sort of evolution um but i i think yeah i probably am way more strategic than i think i am um but but I, i yeah, I don't, I still don't really think of myself as a strategic, I think of myself as in charge of the strategy rather than the strategist, because when I look on Twitter and see all these strategists kind of waving at each other, um, I, I think, I don't really think like you. So I think understanding, okay, so the, the best definition I've ever heard of strategy is, is about alliance and coalition, and Adam Morgan told me that, which is from a book on military history, which I won't profess to say I've read, it's about the size of a brick, and um, But but I love the idea that it's about alliance and coalition because it's about collaboration in in modern language. It's about growing audiences by who do you you know the company you keep, and I think that's such a simple way of thinking about strategies. Like who who do we want to go after, and how do we get there, and who are the best people to take us with us to give us access to that. And and the modern version of strategy is the sort of Spotify thing where artists are just collaborators. You uh, walked past the Calvin Harris album launch poster the other day. And in the old days, you know, album launches were pictures of a moody landscape and someone's name on it and the name of the album, which didn't really mean much. Now the album launch says Calvin Harris and just a list of artists who he's collaborating with. So it's, you know, Dua Lipa, Lady Gaga, you know, whoever. And that's the definition of strategy. How to build your brand in 2022 is... By aligning yourself and collaborating with all those different audiences. Think about Coldplay on there, you know, whoever. Just think all those artists have all those millions of different audiences. Ed Sheeran is the, the god of this. You know, mm-hmm. every single song is collaboration with someone completely tangential to his sphere. So he's building audiences minute by minute with all those different um all those different artists. So so I think that's the basis of strategy from like military history to Ed Sheeran calvin harris that is that's how you build things so uh, i i think a strategy is like who do we what do we need to do and then how are we going to get there and who do we need to get on board in order to build out that um that objective and that strategy and those audiences that then come with it and that's the spirit of partnerships you know that's the reason why we invest in, in the partnerships we do and so on
1: that is a great answer i don't <laughs> know I feel, a, I
2: feel like i was rambling
1: <laughs> you know, military history ted sheeran uh, you join
0: the dots very well, kind of get the logic. But did, have you thought uh, around the, the, in the context of of how do you then you know, enhance your own personal brand or the the personal brands of others? Is there any any insight you can bear in that area?
2: I'm I'm very torn on all this. I I hate the phrase personal brand because it it screams of authenticity, which I hate the word as well because that doth protest too much, you know, it's that same, well, if you're not being <laughs> authentic, then what are you? You know, just sort of, you're an avatar. Um, it comes down to truth and back to that thing of like, be yourself. And I, 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 as I was talking about the grabs thing, I don't think I was really thinking about it. I think I just wanted to be who I wanted to be. So that that is kind of my slightly cynics view. And I don't like the kind of, LinkedIn culture of constantly chiming away about what you know you're thinking or what you're eating. it's so turning it into Facebook, I just sort of think, just just don't. Um, but then on the other hand, I understand the realities of the way the world works now. And if you know, if I have one regret from my career, it's probably I haven't put myself out there more. Um, because A, I don't like the sound of my own voice and recorded and I will probably not watch this or listen to this back. But um, it, it's, yeah, it's really difficult to um, to sort of exist in today's world without having more of that sort of personal brand thing and putting yourself out there. And, and it's back to that sort of clash of, between cynic and, and optimist. But I think um, every time I've sort of said, you know what, I'm going to be a yes man for a bit. So go to that dinner, go to that talk, go to that keynote, go to that webinar. I all I never regret it. And I always wish I sort of done more. And it was a good example, you know, I it was a talk about um cryptos and, and web three. I thought, oh no, nah, I can't face that. And then I was like, no, go actually, because A, you'll get to hang out with people you like, but also you'll learn some stuff that's actually important to your career. So go. And then I went, I met you guys again, <laughs> and um and here we are um talking about myself. What could be better?
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah, Raul Powell was very good. Actually, he talking good. with him this afternoon as the follow-up. Oh, um,
2: no way. So, oh, well done. Very
1: good. Well, do you know Richie? So well, this is a scoop, isn't it? Because Hamish doesn't doesn't um, put himself out there t- uh, so much. So, so. But but what I would say, Hamish is, um, you know, you sort of said, well, who am I to? Well, equally, who are you not to? Mm. And I think you have quite a bit of headroom to put yourself out a bit more there with your with your thinking. Um, if. if if only to help others, you know it's it's not just a selfish thing, it's also a selfless thing. But anyway, enough of my yeah. point of view on that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about leadership. So as you've um, grown in your career, you'll be leading bigger teams as time goes by. So, um, so this is sort of slightly double-headed question. So how, how would you describe yourself as a leader and, and w- what would be the pros and cons of working for you?
2: Oof. And do you want the honest start? Yeah, you want the honest start. Um, somewhere between David Brent and Alan Partridge, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually more of my own aspiration. But <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the goal, yeah. That's, that's, that's the goal. Um, I went to Stratagem, which was his, Alan Partridge's uh, sort of big conference at the O2, which is just surreal, uh, but very amusing. But yeah. Anyway, segue. Uh, um, uh, I have a sort of thing of he who cares is how I sort of phrase my own sort of engine and it's built off Only Fools and Horses of he who dares um, and that famous Uh scene where he falls over the bar. But I I have think, I I do think I like to think I care, you know, about the work and about the organization and the team and and all that kind of stuff. And it does, sometimes I care too much and it it doesn't end well and you overthink things and, and all that. But I think if you have a general basis of caring, I think that spreads. And I learned that from my boss, Andrea Newman, um, over the last sort of eight years or previous eight years. Um, she seemed to care about it uh, more than anyone else and very much instilled that kind of belief and caring in, in the work I do now. Um, and I think, yeah, I've always worked in very small teams actually. Uh, I've only had sort of one or two or three people in, in my team, but I, th- I hope they would all think that we cared more or the most or enough and um where I work with much bigger teams with, with my agency partners and I think we really cared you know we would, we would sort of go into go into war and battle so I, I think that's my sort of biggest thing um in terms of leadership style now with that comes probably some some dangerous sort of sort you know edges but um yeah I can be a bit disorganized and um Focus on the wrong things every now and then. I'm sure we all we all do. Um, but the 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 way I hope is that the team will counteract that and spot that happening, and we have the honesty of, of relationship in that. And it's, it, it sort of leads into sort of mentorship and things like that. Is that we always would try and create a team where it doesn't feel like it's line manager and hierarchy, and we're a very hierarchical organization. Uh, we've always I've always believed in the, the youngest person's voice is probably the most relevant and powerful. It's just how do you then tune that to make sense of that with the, the older and more uh, experienced audiences and sort of fuel that. Um so getting getting that balance and and finding that narrative and that story you know, have a big thing around um this is all great thinking, but it's not going to travel in our organization. So how do we make it visual? How do we make it simple? How do we make it language? So how do we make it visual? How do we make it simple? How do we make the language work? How do we make it not sound like marketing language? Stuff like that. It's That's how we sort of operate as a team. That's our speed, as it were. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting process.
0: <laughs> oh, Amazing. You've said some, some really delightful things there. And I once heard the saying that caring is actually um, the most underrated strategic advantage you can have.
2: Yeah, and- love it, love
0: it. It really, yeah. is, uh, it really is is. the case. But but the thought around when you said about young people and actually their point of view being important, more important, but actually it's about harnessing and, and making it travel mm. in the right direction, I thought that was just brilliant. Um,
2: well, we have this thing where we're trying to build a brand for the future, and everybody is over 30 in our team. I'm like, it's <laughs> <that's> a fundamental <laughs> issue at that. So, yeah, you know, it's back to what Rauls was saying. It's like just go and work with some younger people in the um in the Web three piece, you know, just get in a room with them and work it out. So we need to do that. Um.
0: Uh, I think that's. I think that's. I think it's true. In fact, um after one of those events, I was I was sharing a taxi with with a senior exec, and he asked me the question about the future of marketing. And and the the best thing I could come up with, half drunk, was was this idea that actually marketing is going to happen around us when we think we're the. The, the guys in the mainstream, the reality is actually it's the disruptors who are going to kind of blindside us. And the disruptors come from diverse, disadvantaged young people who feel disenfranchised by what we're doing. And then they go out and create their own and kick our ass. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: I couldn't agree more. Uh, that's uh, uh, The industry needs to really think about that. There's elements of that in, in CAN this year, um, particularly through the sort of Web3 conversation. But it, it's it's being done by everyone else. I mean, actually, uh, marketers—you know—marketing used to copy culture, and that was things like film and TV and music and things like that, and then sort of use that to sell sell products. And now it feels like marketing is being done by people (laughs) and communities all on their own, and marketing is sort of watching from the sidelines. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's fascinating, and um, yeah, I need to really immerse myself in it, particularly with my my role. and then that takes a lot of time. I'm in the very beginning of my sort of Web three journey, and it's it's quite daunting. But Can was a very good catalyst for that because it, it opened up all those cans of worms.
1: Um, yeah, I mean the, the sort of the Arab Spring of marketing. Uh, <laughs> it's um, it, so uh, I, th- I think we're we're getting towards the end, Hamish. Um, it's zip by. Uh, talked about the cafe in Cornwall. Um, so let's look to the future. What, uh, what lies ahead? What are your hopes and dreams for your future career and maybe what the legacy of Hamish Goulding might be? Oh, oh gosh.
2: Uh, legacy, I don't know. Um, I think, I suppose, if I thought of myself as halfway through my career during that sabbatical, I think where I probably want to do is, is sort of finish the job. At HSBC, as, as best I can, knowing full well the job will never ever be done, but get it to a, a place where I feel like my work is done, or my, my effort, my turn is my turn is done. I don't know how long that, that will be. Um, hopefully, a while, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just try some new new experiences. Really, um, I have really started to enjoy the sort of teaching, not teaching, but the mentoring side of things. Yeah, whether it was the the grad stuff or the um, so Taylor Bennett things we did recently at HSBC and um I did a workshop yesterday with some guys in um wealth and personal banking which I was my first time I've ever run a workshop but I absolutely loved it and it was exhausting I had to literally had to have a lie down afterwards because I was so dra- drained by it um but I you know to this conversation and such things we were talking about yesterday I sort of feel like there's been a a great bank of learning over the last 10 years which I quite like to sort of share with some people to your point Mark about sort of being a bit selfless with it actually rather than it's not a selfish thing to do that um, so yeah I don't know I don't know I'm, I'm very open-minded I think my focus at the moment is on um, what our brand is doing and what my family is doing <laughs> and that's quite a lot um, but yeah I think I would like to evolve um, you know to six years at JWT 10 years and counting at, at HSBC, and then yeah, probably another chapter, and then yeah, maybe I had to go after
0: that. I'm genuinely so so thrilled to think that people like you want to engage in in the world of learning and, and impart the sort of knowledge and experience that you've gained, Hamish. Honestly, it's without if it's without that 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 places and spaces like what we've developed will just never succeed and thrive. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's it's great to hear that that's part of the part of potential plan um you know moving forward well, it's
2: funny cuz i always think you learn way more when you're mentoring or being mentored because it just takes you out of your own zone for a second and then you start thinking about yourself so men- mentorship is a two-way street you know we talk about reverse mentoring and all that i learn way more from mentoring than i do from being mentored probably so they need to think about the word it's not mentor mentee it's probably like some sort of neutral word in that sense
0: you're to- totally right um, on that. And the, I guess that reverse mentoring thing, which is that cliched phrase, but I think it's so much mm-hmm. more than that as well. But um, no, thank you. And look, it's just been such an awesome conversation this morning. I mean, we've we've traversed so many different topics from professional <laughs> to personal to fatherhood um, mm-hmm. all the way through. And it really has been really insightful and, and actually opened up a, 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 a quite a, a few new ways to think about different things and topics and, and, and the way that you navigate so I'm, I guess for me the sum and and I'll I'll perhaps just kind of impart a few takeaways and then hand over to Mark for some of his. But you know from the outset the way that you describe yourself as just being yourself I know that sounds almost simplistic but but honestly you just come th- come across like that and and when you talked about the role of humor being a form of insight I thought that was really interesting and, mm. and the way that you're able to break um, either awkwardnesses or. Um, you know, break a uh, conversation into, you know, using a sense of humor. Um, it's just kind of really shone through uh, that humility piece is also shone through not knowing all the answers. Um, and in many ways, what I liked about that phrase, you talked the turn of phrase, when you talked about your Austin in Texas, as part of yeah. that, that creative thing was really interesting as a way to get people to maybe who slightly feel on the outside to be more aware about that, but then also embrace that. And I think that's, Certainly when I was in the bank, I could have probably benefited from that from that phrase quite a lot Mm -hmm. um, as I felt that. Um, And it's surprising, therefore, that you then think of yourself or having that huge amount of imposter syndrome. And yet, actually, you've played a pivotal role, both agency side and now client side in the bank's evolution of the brand and and, and the positioning and the channel mix and all the rest of it. And yet you kind of go, actually, wow, I I didn't know it was me. I mean, it is quite incredible when you think about it like that. but you know, and then finally, the, the one thing I'd just add is around that sort of um, alliance and and um, coalition around key strategies. And and you really opened my eyes about audiences. Um, Calvin Harris, you know, that's that's a that's that's a of another oh, Scott. <laughs> absolutely, I will. Uh, I will. I will certainly bear in mind. Um, so thank you. It's been it's been delightful, quite honestly. And I'm hoping we can have this conversation for for many moons after. But I'll have him to hand over to mark for some of his takeaways as well.
1: Good job, Richie. I mean, you've covered most of the, the hotspots, but just to build a bit, yeah, I mean, you, you have uh, quite understated and have a lot of humility, and, but also lightness of touch. You, you talked about the privilege of being part of JWT's glory days, you know, that the world moves in mysterious ways, which sort of makes it sound like you didn't have to work really hard for everything you've done and the privilege <laughs> of being at HSBC. So there's there's an understatedness there, which which I, I personally quite like. But yeah, be yourself, everyone is taken. Um, lovely line. Uh, and nowhere lightness is needed. So there's an irreverence, but but a purposeful one rather than the frivolous one. I, I also love Austin in Texas, and I think probably you are personally, maybe the Austin in Texas in some regards, but but ever, a couple of proof points there though. So, you know, coloring in, no, we, we hate that term. Well, maybe we just need to lean into that term and make yeah. the most of it. Um, the, the local global is a friction point, but also a secret source. So I think that's sort of counterintuitive thinking is clearly a strength, which is the dot 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 into being a, a good strategist. And I also learn a lot about Calvin Harrison and Sheeran as the, the, the future of marketing. Um I, I I you know I loved He Who Cares. Um and um especially with the other layer of that scene from Only Fools and Horses, for, for those yeah. who know the reference point, I mean that's that's a keeper. Um so it's been a real pleasure. I would I would again encourage you to put yourself out there a bit more where you think there's latitude to do so, not not because it's frivolous, but because it's meaningful um, to you and others. Um, so thank you. And uh, I don't know if it's the the cafe in Cornwall or the Web 3.0 or another good stint at HSBC, but I'm sure you're set for bright and brilliant things. So thank you. Thank you again, Hamish, for your time today. Thanks, chaps. Loved it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.